This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Come on, let's give our Lord Jesus praise. Can I get more fold back on your feet? Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for who you are. You are our living God. We exalt you above all else. You are the one that has given us life. You've given us your word. You've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You've blessed us with every blessing. We receive it by faith. And you've given us your word. It's that word that we come to hear today. And so, Father, right now, make a quality decision to put aside all my own ambitions and trust myself only to be your voice. Just as Jesus said, only say what he heard you say. That's my desire. I don't take that lightly. I submit myself under your mighty hand that by your grace, I may speak your word with clarity and accuracy. This word shall go forth with great power, igniting every heart with faith that drives out every form of fears. Minds are renewed to your word. Understanding replaces confusion. I believe each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. For this we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, you ready to receive? Shout amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Open your Bible at Hebrews chapter 3. Dad and mom, thank you so much for this honor. It, it really is a privilege to stand here and don't take it lightly. Thank you so much. Amen. Now, the book of Hebrews, uh, you know, it doesn't mention who the author is, but I do believe on my teaching from my pastor. And also, if you read it, you know, you get to know people. You get a sound. You understand their personality. You see the revelation. It's like when you call someone on the phone, you know who they are. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit shows up, you know who he is? Uh, there's a sound in Hebrews that I believe the author is Paul. And the amount of revelation that he received. And he, this letter was written particularly to the Jewish nation, those that had been born again, that had been saved. And because of the tremendous persecution that they received from those who were still walking in the Jewish tradition, uh, some of them started backsliding, started falling away. They were people of faith, but then started sliding. And so Paul writes this letter and addresses the issue, and he, he deals with who Christ is and why he is the mediator, the, the, the initiator, the instigator, the one who brings the new covenant to us. He goes through how he inherits his name and he establishes the covenant. And then through that, how he establishes faith. And it's a great message on faith. You study it through. If you want to know what faith is and how faith works, it's all coming out of the book of Hebrews. And he gets through this conclusion where he's saying, don't fall away. Don't allow that faith to slip. This is what you have. This is what we walk in. And he tracks it through history and shows how faith has always been a key factor. You've heard it from a number of speakers where Jesus says when he comes back, will he find faith? You say, will he find uh, love? Will he find uh, church services? Will he find your good attendance? He says, will he find faith? And I thought that is an astounding question because I'm going, I'm here. How do you say amen to that? 
But obviously, Jesus is aware of the primary attack of the enemy is to steal your faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. So if he wants to steal anything from you, he starts with the root, which is faith. Because if he can get rid of faith, he can get rid of your joy. If he gets rid of faith, he gets rid of your confidence in God. If you get rid of faith, he gets rid of your confession. And if he can stop you speaking the word, he doesn't care if you go to heaven or hell. It's the word of God alive in your mouth that he's afraid of. And he'll do everything to try and stop that. And particularly in these last days, you're starting to hear voices. Voices that we trusted, that have spoken great words. Now speaking differently and confusing us. And we're going to be very cautious with it. Because now they quote scriptures that quoted before, but it's quoted differently and out of context. And even in Hebrews, Paul says that the reason that the old covenant, the people who were going into the, from the wilderness into the promised land, could not enter in because of their unbelief. And he says the reason is they did not take the promises and mix it with faith. Everywhere say mix. See, you can take a scripture and say, I don't believe in that because, yeah, this scripture says this. And in the way it's structured, you could say, you're right. But how do you know it doesn't take one scripture? Paul said, what I learned, I didn't get from man. I got by revelation. Revelation comes from within. But it takes a number of scriptures to build it. That's why I love the way my father teaches faith. He gives you all the scriptures. See, when you bake a cake... You use flour, you use oil, you use eggs, you use baking powder, sugar. You put all of that together to make a cake, right? You mix it. No one sits down and eats baking powder on its own. So if someone says, we don't eat baking powder, I would have to say, amen. You don't eat baking powder raw. But technically, you do, if it's mixed properly. So when you get one scripture or another scripture... You can make a doctrine, but if you don't have all the others on its own, you'd have to say, Amen. I see your point. But what, how do you compare that with this scripture and this scripture and that scripture? And you take all those scriptures and you mix them and you come up with the revelation. God brings revelation through the mixture of faith. And so, yeah, Paul is writing and he says in Hebrews, you get to chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Now, therefore, so that's your homework. You have to go find out what therefore is there for. I don't have time for that. By the way, I'm about to teach a message in 30 minutes that took me an uh, hour and 40 at home. <laughs> Two sessions of 50 minutes. Uh, so if you want the whole teaching, it is available on our online bookshop. You go to allenbagministries.org and you can get the download from there. Uh, and I encourage you to get it because there's a lot of detail. You're going to have to listen to every third word. I'm going to go quick. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Who's that? Say, that's me. Bump your neighbor. Say, you'll be amazed how often I show up in this book. He says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Everybody say confession. The word consider means you need to give it attention. He's dealing with something here in Hebrews, and he wants you to think about Jesus, not just as your Savior, but the Apostle, the sent one, with a mission to be a high priest, the officiator, the administrator over your confession. 
That's the way he wants us to think about this as we go through Hebrews. He says in chapter 4, verse 14, seeing that, that we have a great high priest. He's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What does that mean? Never stop confessing. No matter what happens, no matter what comes against you, don't let go of that confession. Get down to chapter 5, verse 5. So also, Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. It was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. He also says in another place, you are a priest forever. How long? Forever according to the order of Melchizedek. There, uh, Hebrews quotes Psalm 110 verse 4. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, this is Jesus, with vehement cries and tears to him, God, who was able to save him from death and was, has heard because of his godly, who was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedient by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest. Now listen. According to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. So Jesus is called, say it with me, Jesus, Jesus. is called according to the order of Melchizedek. That tells me if we want to understand the ministry of Jesus today, we have to understand and know the order of Melchizedek. Because he's called according to that order. I'd like to know what that order is. How many of you say amen? amen? So to do that, we need to do an intense, in-depth study of Melchizedek. You know, as my pastor said, you've you got to study out the word and have two, three witnesses get the full truth of it. Amen? So I'm going to do the best in the next 20 minutes to do an intense study of Melchizedek. How many you ready? How many you want to do that? Any Bible students here? To do that, let's start in Genesis chapter 14. So we go to Genesis chapter 14. Now, you know the, the account here. Abram's nephew Lot was captured. And Abram raised 300 of his own men to go and get them back. And he rescues Lot. And he rescues, uh, gets all the goods back. You see in chapter 14 verse 16. So he brought back all the goods. He also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the woman and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Shadlamia, and the kings who were with him. Verse 18. Then Melchizedek. Here's our first introduction. Our study begins. You ready? Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Everybody say bread and wine. Everybody say covenant. He was the priest of God most high, and... Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. End of study. That is it. You want to know the order of Melchizedek? That's it. That's it. And Paul knows this. And he quotes it. And talking about the ministry of Jesus. Now, 
if that's it, that's our reference. Paul referenced it. He's the second witness to the scripture by the revelation he received from Christ, personally taught by Jesus. Then obviously Jesus sees this as important. What is the order? Number one, covenant. Everybody say covenant. Number two, the blessing. Everybody say blessing. Number three, the tithe. Everybody say the tithe. That's it. The order of Melchizedek. Covenant. Blessing. Spoken. Confession. And the tithe. That's the order. This word tithe has become extremely controversial. Because Satan will try and steal from you anything that will cause you to walk in the fullness of God's blessing. And one of the primary areas you will try and attack is in the area of the tithe. You've heard it from a number of speakers. And the Lord spoke to me when I was preparing for this week. I had a lot of other great messages. I also like messages when, when Pastor Beverly, Dr. Beverly speaks. Man, I get encouraged and blessed. How many you like to, to shout and jump? And so I, I like to encourage people as well. And the Lord impressed on me and said, this is what I need you to deal with. And I played with it. Not played with it. I wrestled with it, prayed, and looked at my other notes. Come on, how many speakers know what I'm talking about? And he kept bringing me back. This is important to him. It's important to him. Why is this so controversial? The word tithe is not a religious word. It's not even a legal term. It is an arithmetic term. The Hebrew word for tithe is the Strong's number 4643. Ma'asar. Everyone say ma'asar. You're all Hebrew now. Now listen, for those that are Hebrew scholars, if my pronunciation's off, please excuse me. I am by birth English and by spirit, Holy Ghost, tongue. But Hebrew, I look up in a dictionary. I do the best to pronounce it. Now the word ma'asar simply means 10%. One tenth. That's, that's, that's what it means. So when the Christian says, I don't tithe, what are you doing? You're saying, I don't 10%. Okay, so what percent do you? Because are you trying to get cheaper? Are you a one percenter? Or are you a two percenter? Janine and I have gone way beyond 10. There's times I've a hundred percented. God has moved in my heart. I gave our entire, I emptied our bank many times. So what is that? Ten tithes. Ten, ten percents. Are you with me? But there's something about the first that's important. You earn ten tithes every time you receive something. But there's something about the first with God. Everybody say, the first. Something happens when you tithe. Look at verse 21. The king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons. Take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, and I'll take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap. I'll not take anything that's yours, lest you say, I have made Abraham rich. Abraham established in the tithe. 
God is my only source. And the moment a man tries to invade it, the very next moment, there's a temptation. Look, I can look after you. No, you don't understand. I will deny that if it gets any other glory than what goes to God. My tithe establishes glory to God. Say that. My tithe establishes glory to God. Now, this helps answer where the tithing was under the law, because that's one of the common things. Tithing's under the law. Well, Galatians 3 verse 17 says, The law, which was 430 years later, that's after the covenant, cannot annul the covenant. This was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it's no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Everybody say promise. When God makes a covenant, He doesn't do it in law. It's by promise. And we receive that covenant by belief. Remember the Bible says, Abraham, he had no writings to go on except God speaking to him. And he chose to believe God. And on that belief and acting in faith, it was accounted to him as righteousness. No law involved. Why? Because his heart was for God. Everybody say his heart was for God. So what's the reason for the law then? Galatians 3.19, what purpose does the law serve? It was added because of? Transgressions, till the seed should come, Jesus, of whom the promise was made and was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor. For what reason? To bring us to Christ, that we should, might be justified by, justified by faith. But after faith has come, we no longer under a tutor. What's a tutor? A teacher. Uh, you could say a coach. Now, how many of you know that when a, a medical doctor does study, he goes to university, he's under a tutor. He's got a professor that will guide him. He's got other doctors that he'll watch, and, he'll, and then they'll, he'll slowly take over, and then he'll do operations. Once he's qualified, while he's doing that, he's under strict law. You don't cut until I say so. You watch me. And then you practice on cadavers. And, and then you, and eventually I'll say, right, now you can use a knife. Isn't that right? You want a doctor that's been through a tutor. Now, once he qualifies, he doesn't need a tutor anymore. But you notice everything he learned isn't done away with. He still has to cut the way the tutor said to cut. He still has to perform the operation the way the tutor said to do it. So the purpose of the law was to show that we need a Lord and Savior. I cannot live this godly life in my own strength. The law exposes that. But it also teaches me the lifestyle of the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus comes and he saves us. We're born again of his spirit, created in his image. But we're still under the methodology of the kingdom of God. The kingdom works a certain way. Once you're born again, that law is written in your heart. And you're no longer confined by the external law. You see, the children of Israel were not born again. They could not hear the law from within their heart. So God had to write it down because he still desperately wants to bless them. Even though they didn't want it. Well, they didn't think they needed it. He said, if you do this, you position yourself. That's the tutor teaches you. But once you're born again, the tutor's removed. 
but you still live the same lifestyle. But now it comes from with desire within. You do it because you're led by the Holy Spirit. Say this, I live my life by Christ within me. Remember Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles also and receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Remember when Jesus came, he said, I did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. He's the only human that could ever perfectly fulfill every aspect of the law. And in his death and resurrection, you are born again and you are brought into that same body of Christ. And by coming into the body, by trusting Christ within, you have fulfilled the law. Jesus said the greatest of all the commandments is love. In this, you fulfill all the law. See, you don't have to tell me anymore, don't commit adultery. Why? Because I'm driven by love within. That's why people say, should Christians tithe? I say, do I have to kiss my wife? Excuse me? I'm driven from within to kiss her. Why? Because I love her. Love drives me. I don't want to steal from you. I don't want to kill you. Because I'm driven from within by love. It's still covenant principles. Say amen. amen. Leviticus chapter 27 says, all the tithe. How much? All the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord. Everybody say holy. What does that mean? It is sacred. The tithe is a sacred thing. God takes it very seriously. You heard dad speak the other day about when they, after conquering Jericho, they were going to go into AI and Achan had kept some of what belonged to God. God considered that very holy. It is sacred. You don't touch the tithe. It is His. Say that. The tithe is God's. Verse 31. If a man wants to all redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. Now, I don't have time to teach on that. That just simply means if you use the tithe and you want to return it, there's a 20% charge. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not inquire whether it's good or bad, nor shall he exchange, exchange, it, exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, both of it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Say that the tithe is the Lord's. Now, yeah, the tithe mentions the, the grain and animals. And sometimes people use that. You know, you don't, you, you earn money. It's not grain and animals. That's baking powder. You've taken one scripture, but you don't just eat the baking powder. You have to compare it all. The word used here, because someone says that that tithe was different to the tithe that Abram said. They were two different things. No, it's the same Hebrew word. It's the same word. Now remember when Abraham brought his tithe, it wasn't, there was some livestock in it, but it was all the spoils of war. Spoils of war include treasures. Say amen. Genesis chapter 28 verse 20, Jacob made a vow. Remember, Abraham 
had Isaac. He taught Isaac. Isaac taught his son Jacob. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, keep me in the way that I'm going. Give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. The Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of how much? How much? All that you give me, I shall surely give a tenth. He didn't just say livestock. He said of all that you give me. And you know, he got much more than just animals. Everything you give me, 10% is yours. Now, the English wording there says, I will surely give a tenth. In the original Hebrew, the word surely and the word tithe are the same word, asar. So you're reading it in the Hebrew word, I shall asar, asar. It's a method used in Hebrew that if you want to emphasize a point, you say it twice. It's like putting an exclamation mark behind. And what he's saying is, God, if you ever give me anything, I shall asar. Asar. If I was translating that perfectly into English, if you give me anything, I shall tithe, tithe. Lord, I got nothing. Everything I have comes from you. Why would I even contemplate holding some of it back? I had nothing. So everything I received, I'm going to tithe, tithe. Hallelujah. Say that. God, of everything you give me, I'm going to tithe, tithe. Go back to Hebrews chapter 7. Look at verse 1. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the God most high, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part. Now that word tenth is the Greek word, 1181 in the Strong's, it's also an arithmetic term. It's the Greek word dekate, D-E-K-A-T-E. Everyone say dek. You know decathlon? That's ten. Ten events. Uh, the decimal system, decimal, is the decimal is the system of ten. That's all that that is. Abram gave a tenth part, being translated. He's the king of righteousness. Who's that? King of Salem, meaning king of peace. Who's that? Without father or mother, who's this? Without genealogy, neither beginning of days nor end of life, who's this? Made like the Son of God remains a priest, how? Family, we are talking about Jesus here. Say, this is Jesus. Jesus showed up to Abraham before he was given his earthly body through his mother Mary. Now this Jesus, consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch, Abram, gave a tenth of the spoils. Now indeed, those of the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abram. Notice he's talking about the tithe of Abram and the tithe of today as the same thing. He doesn't consider it two different things. And he says, he whose genealogy is not derived from those received, from them, received tithes from Abram, blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the less is blessed by the better. Yeah, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abram, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. How many of you know when Jesus died, he was buried in the tomb? So were you. 
in baptism, you're buried with him. Even though you're alive today. And then when he came out the tomb, so did you. You came out in resurrection life. Took him three days. Took you two seconds. But it's the same event. So the same way, when you bring the tithe, you are in that moment in Abraham presenting the tithe to Melchizedek, Jesus. He still receives the tithe today. It's not... It, oh, Jesus. Jesus still receives... You say that. Jesus still receives my tithe today. You see, you bring it to the house of God. You put it in the hands of Levi, who's the priest, who's the type of your fivefold ministry today. You bring the tithe to the house of God. You present it to Levi, but in spirit, it is given to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, the Passion Translation says, Although the Jewish priests received tithes, they all died, they were mortal, but Melchizedek lives that's Jesus. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you're saying what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me even the whole nation. Now family of God. How you knows this is not saying if you don't tithe God will curse you. Jesus bore the curse. He's not going to use it to hurt you. But you notice Abraham didn't tithe to get the blessing. He was first blessed. And the response was to tithe. So you are blessed. Well, then how come I don't see it happening in my life? Well, the first person that came here tonight, uh, this afternoon, the place was dark. We didn't phone ESCOM because we got our own power out back. Hello? They didn't wonder, is the generator running? Why is it dark here? No, they know there's power. You could phone ESCOM and say, we don't have power. Well, we're not load shedding at the moment. Well, there's no, my light's off. Have you found your switch yet? Have you tried the switch? Flick the switch, you notice you still got power. You can have power without manifestation. You need the switch to activate the power. And God's saying, you want to know why you're in the curse? Why are you in the dark? It's because you haven't flicked the switch. What's the switch, God? You've robbed me. You've taken what is mine and you've kept it for yourself. And as much as I've blessed you, it's not able to work. And the enemy is running right through your life and doing everything he can. There's no ways that I can stop him because you violated covenant. Covenant is a two-way process. And so he says the answer is in verse 10, bring how much? All the tithe to the storehouse so that there's food in my house. Now try me now in this. This is the only place he says, test me. Everywhere else, Jesus said, don't tempt the Lord your God. This is one place God puts himself on the line and he says, test me if I'm not open for you, the winners of heaven. Pour out such blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. And I personally will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And I will... Cause that it will you rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. You'll be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. That Lord of hosts, when you translate it from the Hebrew, it literally means the commander of the army. 
God says, I'm putting my military force on the line. If I find someone that trusts me and covenants with me, I will give my entire military force to drive out anything that stops you from producing income. Because that income is now protected. It is holy because you've honored me in what is sacred. And that is the tithe. How many are you ready to live this kind of life? Come on, give Jesus praise today. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Fulmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.